one and only God. Who is the one and only God to be exalted in our life. Let us praise him and give him all the glory that he deserves. Be exalted, Lord. As we are all standing, I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 12, verses 5 through 10. Acts, 5, Acts 12, 5 through 10. Let me read it. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying for God to him, uh, to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of the street, suddenly the angel left him. I'll read verse 23 also. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died, but the word of God continued to increase and spread. Our Heavenly Father, this morning we are at your feet. We pray that you will deal with us this morning, Lord. That you will talk to our hearts this morning. And what, you, what we hear from you will be able to yield to and be obedient to, Lord. Talk to your people, Lord. Hide me behind the cross and let the name of the Lord and the Lord alone be glorified. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Please be seated. Acts 12 is a very dramatic chapter. It is filled with so many incidents and teaches also about a lot of spiritual disciplines. It starts with saying about this time. That's the opening statement. About this time. When? About what time? You flip back and go to chapter 11 and we realize that this is right after the church in Antioch was established. And this was right after the disciples started to be called Christians. This is immediately after the prophets came from Jerusalem 
to Antioch and there was a great revival in the church of Antioch. And the church is flourishing. Multitudes are being added. And a very powerful ministry of the Holy Spirit is actually pervading through the land. About this time, something is happening. Chapter 12 of Acts teaches us several spiritual disciplines. It teaches about the persecution in the church and the persecution for believers. It teaches about the power of prayer in the life of a Christian. It teaches about the non-interventions of God. It also teaches about the powerful divine interventions in the life of a Christian. It talks about the confident trust of a child of God. It talks about the sovereignty of God. And it ends with a lesson on the judgment of God. Obviously, I'm not going to go through everything that I narrated today. But this morning, it is my desire to speak something about the power of prayer in the child of God and the sovereignty of God in the life of the child of God. This chapter opens with the introduction of a grand person. You know who he is? Herod. Herod Agrippa I. It says that Herod opened up unleashed persecution in the church. This Herod, actually there are several Herods mentioned in the New Testament. From Matthew through the book of Acts, as we read, there are at least six Herods introduced in the Bible. Herod is not a name, it's a title. It's a title of the position that they were holding. It's almost like a kind of a king. So, the Herod that, when Jesus was born, we read about a Herod in power, and he was Herod the Great. He was the responsible for the persecution and the killing and the murder of the little children when Jesus was born. Herod the Great. Then there was Herod Achilles. He was, he was the ruler, he was a, an evil ruler over Judea, and that's why Joseph decided not to bring Jesus to Bethlehem when they were coming back from the land of Egypt. Then there was Herod Antipas. He, he is mentioned in Luke 13. And he was responsible for the beheading of John the Baptist. Then there is a fourth one called Herod the Philip. The fifth one is Herod Agrippa I. Who is actually the character in chapter 12 in Acts. And the final one is Herod Agrippa II, who actually was uh, able to face and hear the gospel from Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 25 and 26. Herod Agrippa I, he declares persecution on the church. About this time, King Herod arrested some, including James. James, the brother of John. 
the brother of John. And he was put to death. And it was pleasing to the Jews. But the church prayed earnestly. You know, when something was pleasing to the Jews, Herod, and Herod decided, wow, this is something good I'm doing, so let me keep doing it. So what did, what did he do? He caught Peter, and now Peter was put in the prison. Let me ask you something. When James was caught and put in the prison, what did the church do? I can guarantee the church prayed. That's why I introduced chapter 11 before. This was a praying church. This was a praying church. And when James was caught and put in prison, the prayer warriors of this church was on their knees. They were praying for a divine deliverance. This is a very young church. They have not seen that many divine interventions in their lives. There were some, but not too many. They were on their knees. They were earnestly praying for a deliverance for James. But what happened? Nothing happened. Everything that they did not pray for happened. He was beheaded. God seemed to be silent. Many a time, things like these happen in our lives. God's known interventions. We pray and pray and pray. And the end result is exactly what we did not pray for. We know we have been in the will of God. We have not strayed from that. But our prayers went unanswered. God had willed something else that we didn't want. Has it ever happened to you? It did in my life. You prayed for success. But you failed miserably. The answer of prayer came as failure. You prayed for healing. But you received anything but healing. You prayed for prosperity. But you got poverty in different shapes. You prayed for joy. And only pains came as answers to your prayer. You prayed for peace, but you got only fear as the answer to your prayer. Has it ever happened to you? Or is it only me? God seems to have stayed quiet away from you. Now, the psalmist in, chapter, uh, in, uh, in th the 13th Psalm, he goes like this. Why, O oh Lord, do you stand off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Sometimes in Christian life, we deal with situations like this. We pray and pray for the right causes. And God seems to be staying far away. For this man of God who was such a powerful instrument for the cause.
because of the gospel, James, his life, his ministry, everything came to an immediate halt at the sword of this vicious evil king, Herod. The church was terribly shaken up. They were in terror. It was a terrible blow that the church sustained that day. The most unexpected struck home. You know, they have really not been completely relieved, uh, relieved from the death of Stephen. They were just coming out of it. That's when this happened. One after another, Herod seemed to be on a roll here. The evil seems to be in control. So, Herod is feeling so good he caught Peter here. He was, you know what Herod did? This innocent poor man, you know how many people were watching Peter in a day, single day? Four times four people. Sixteen people. Sixteen people to watch one single person. Herod was in power. Herod had planned to execute him. Because the Jews supported it. I know you know this story very well. But I'm building up something so you will understand Here, Peter is in the inside cell. The inner cell guarded by the guards, prison guards, chained and in shackles. The church kept praying. But nothing seems to be happening. At least for some time, nothing seems to be happening. The clock kept on ticking, ticking, ticking. This is a, long, a very young church. Hallelujah. Why do Christians pray? Why does the church pray? Because Prayer is a very necessary means for our being. Prayer is an essential ingredient of Christian life. You just can't be without prayer. Church is a community of prayer. When calamity strikes, what does church do? They pray. A praying church is a powerful church. A powerful church is a victorious church. If we want new heights in the life of this church, we need to become a church that pray. If we want to see higher things about God in this church, we need to be transformed into people that pray. If you want to see lives to be changed, we need to become people of prayer. 
if you want to see the enemy defeated what do we do we need to be people of prayer it may not be a very elaborate message that you hear from me today but this is the holy spirit that is dealing with you this morning and i'm extremely convinced that this is a message that the lord has for this church and if you want to impact this world if you want to impact the people around if you want to impact the community what do we do we become people of prayer why are we praying are we praying so that we can change the mind of god can we change the mind of god by prayer i don't think so because i serve a god who is immutable all sovereign and almighty and you just can't change his mind by your prayer a lot of times a lot of things are going on around saying that you can you know what happens when you pray you become in the will of god you come to be the man and the woman of god in the will of god you understand the purpose and the plan of god about you you understand the plan and purpose of your church when you pray you understand the purpose and the plan of this nation when we become people of prayer hallelujah do you believe when you pray that something is going to happen the command to pray is given so that you pray with 100% faith and believing that it will happen a lot of times we pray not even believing it's going to happen you know there is a very famous scenario in our community when we pray you know when it is we go to a very terminally ill person you know what we pray lord it is my prayer that you do your will on this you completely serve your will on this person we don't pray for you know the patient is on a ventilator the patient is hypotensive patient is septic i don't i don't really think that the patient is going to walk out so you know how i pray not me at least i have heard it quite a few times you they pray lord i pray that you will be completely oh my goodness god was waiting for that okay from me ah so so he can execute his will god go ahead i give you okay to do your will on no don't pray like that if you are praying pray for the sick to be healed you know kunyani jan and all went to india because their 96 year old amichi was on a ventilator but they went they prayed they prayed for healing and that amichi is now back home fully healed nobody expected that but god had ordained it like that when you pray if you are coming and praying for me never pray for the fulfillment of god's will in my life please don't do that if you are crying to pray for me if i'm sick pray for healing otherwise don't come (laughs) 
You know, I have heard of a story in the Red Hills of Alabama. A small church was there. You know, the season was midsummer, so hot, 100 degrees outside under the shade. There were the land was suffering, all the crops were dying, and the animals were suffering. And this little church decided to pray, dedicate one day for prayer. For what? For rain to happen. Rain has not been happening for weeks and months in that place. The pastor called out for this special meeting, and they all came. And they realized that Sister Elizabeth has not come. Sister Elizabeth is a very prayerful person, but she did not come for this prayer. They were all waiting. Hardly any prayer meeting has happened there without Sister Elizabeth. So as they were starting to pray, they'll see somebody crossing the road towards the church. You know what was happening? They saw somebody in a raincoat with a rain boot and holding an umbrella in her hand coming for a prayer meeting for rain. If you are coming for a prayer meeting for rain, I might as well be prepared for rain when I leave this prayer meeting. That's the kind of faith, that's the kind of prayer that we need to pray. Because prayer can change things about it. Not to change the will of, change the will of God. It will change things about us, things around us. I'm telling you, there are powers just like the Herod's power pervading our society and our country and our world this, this morning as we are sitting here. We need to be people of prayer. When persecution erupts in the church, they came together and prayed. We should become, in, come together in one accord. I don't have time to talk about unity this morning. But before we pray, be in one accord. Melt your heart together. Come together. With one heart, God cannot just pass you. When authorities of the nation rise up against the church, what do we do? We pray. But what is happening now is when things like that happen, we immediately call a business meeting. How do we face it? We need to be prudent as to how we approach the situation. We send a protesting memorandum to the authorities. Minister so and so, we don't agree with your, your, your approach to Christianity. They didn't do that. If those don't have, we, have to, we make political alliance with people. We call one of them to our convention. Tell them, Come, we'll give you the prime time. You'll be telecasted all over the world. But relief, give us relief from persecution. Have we, haven't we gone down to that level? In Acts 5.41, we read that apostles rejoiced in what? In that they were counted worthy of suffering. It was their privilege to suffer for the Lord. Pray 
when you feel helpless pray when you feel no way out we need to pray for our pastor we need to pray for our ministers we need to pray for our young generation that's following us we need to pray for our little children if the lord's coming is tarrying they have to be carrying this great gospel in their hearts because they are the targets of the enemy i don't have time to go into the enemy's attack this morning growing up as a young man in the church in philadelphia kotem i still remember a, a, a brigade of white clothes amachis they were the prayer pillars of that church you tell them something you know you how you will get the result they won't stop praying until you go back and tell them don't pray for me anymore it's answered that's the kind of people that sustain the church people from kotem will agree with me if peter is sleeping verse 6 the night before the execution peter knows that nothing will happen to him unless his master allows it he is sleeping i am not going to even talk about the rescue here okay the deliverance but he's not shaken because he is a man of faith you know the speed at which this man this man who was so unstable has been transported from being that unstable person to a spiritual giant all of a sudden amazes me the power of the holy spirit the power of the holy spirit only because of chapter 2 in acts we need to be people who trust the lord in the dark hours of our lives we have to have jesus in our life for us to be keeping calm and peace if well, if the storms are hitting us from all around remember him when the storm was beating on the boat what was he doing sleeping on the at the helm of the ship we have to have that master in our life as long as he is our master we will be able to do that that's what happened to peter a child of god finds rest in the lord in the midst of all his troubles but the lord allows dark nights in our lives can he rescue before it is midnight he can definitely but sometimes he chooses not to why did he wait till the fourth hour to come to the rescue of his disciples when they're battling the raging ocean why i don't know why why did he allow the furnace to be turned seven times over before the the saints were thrown into it i don't know why why did he wait four days after the death of lazarus to come and visit them even though he knew lazarus was sick why 
Why? Why does he allow these things to happen to his children? To go to the fourth watch. To go past them at night. The other day I got a call from somebody saying that, Uncle, the doctor says there's no hope. It's the fourth stage. Why does he allow that? Somebody else called me the other day saying that the lesion is so deep, the doctor says it's non-surgical. He he his knives won't reach there. A child was admitted in the hospital with fever. And I get a call saying that it's not simple fever, it's leukemia. Why does God allow that? Why? You know why? From my little brain, I understand this much that when he comes in his glory, in those situations, only God can take. Only God can take the credit. No doctor, no counselor. The prophet in the Old Testament, Ezekiel, he was one day asked to go to the valley of the dry bones and prophesy to them. Valley of the dry bones. Not the valley of, the, there's not a hospital where sick people are there. Not even a morgue where the dead bodies are kept. This is an age old place where dead bodies were dead and the, everything about life has gone from them. There's nothing that looks like life remaining in there and the prophet is going there to prophesy. Only God can change the dry bones, the valley of a dry bones into a battalion of living armies. That's the kind of God we serve. The power of prayer, I'm going to bring, it, bring back to you, to that topic. The power of prayer, it will transform people from their deadness to a living army of people. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord strikes Peter and wakes him up and drags him out. Peter makes his way out. Can you read that verse for me? Verse 7. Read it for me in English. He struck Peter. What is Peter going to be going? Going to what is going to happen to Peter the uh, next morning? Huh? He's going to be killed. What would have been the gentle tap he probably would have expected early morning? Huh? What? The, the tap. Listen. I'm going to make a statement to the executions. 
Time for me to take you to the gallows. Time for me to take you to the shooting arena. Time for me to take you to the death sentence. The messenger of death. Right? And naturally, that's probably what Peter woke up to see. A strike. Instead of a tap, a strike came on his shoulder. A lot of times, we expect to end the next morning. We expect our ministry to end the next morning. Because the scandal was so much. The enemy was, was going all around making you defeated, destroying, and like dead. The little piece of you was being carried around saying that this is the stingy piece of so-and-so. But God had something else in plan. God has something else in plan. God sent his angel to wake up the sleeping disciple. And he sent him to his rescue. I'm not going to go into the details. As I told you, that's a message in itself. But I want to bring it, bring something else to you. In chapter 1, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, we read about Herod making a very grand entrance into this story. Right? King Herod. Can you read it? Herod the king, king is making a very grandiose entrance, saying that, decides what will happen. And he did for a while. God sent an angel in verse 7 to strike and wake up his sleeping disciple. I want you to read verse 23 now. 22 on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The same word used in verse 7 to wake up his disciple Peter is used here. Struck him. Angel's ministry. This is a specialist. You know what his specialty is? This angel's specialty? Striking ministry. Strike. Don't ever go and try it on anybody, okay? Striking ministry. But here, the one who thought he was in power the one who thought he was awake and alert and doing well was struck by this angel. And for a moment, he went past death. He started being putrid and putrefied. Worms started wiggling around his body. Don't you ever play with this God. The God of angel armies. It's only one angel that is mentioned in here. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My dear brothers, my dear sisters, my dear children, we serve a God who is in full control of our life. We serve a sovereign God. 
and he has full interest about our life yes james was beheaded but james was beheaded in the will of god that is not to be translated into your life the stage word doesn't mean the sentence the deep tumor doesn't mean that sentence it is for him to take glory give yourself into the arms of god the god of jeshurun with the eternal arms have you ever thought of the eternal arms the arms in which you can rest forever once you give yourself into those arms you just don't escape he will carry you to eternity hallelujah hallelujah our god is a great god we are a body of believers who should live a life of prayer times of crisis in our life god wants us to be people of prayer it is my dear my dear brothers it's my my real wish that we become people of prayer these days we have all kinds of wisdom and understanding and knowledge and counsel and everything we have but we become we need to be become people who pray that's what is most needed these days it is my prayer that we become people of prayer in the days to come that the name of the lord be glorified in us through us and for his glory that the name of the lord be glorified.